Good morning. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, I'll say good morning. It's good morning for us. Don't know when you're listening. That's that's fair. It yeah. is good morning. It is Saturday morning. I mean, excuse me, Sunday morning. Ooh, somebody lost today. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, maybe I did. Uh, we are also. I hope this is an. E- I hope this is not echoey. We're in a not in our usual room uh, where we record, and it sounds a little echoey to be in here. So. Hopefully it's not, and if it is, please just bear with us. We will not make this mistake again, I hope. Uh, there are so many new ones we can make. Um, Brian, what do you want to talk about today? Yeah, this morning um, we're going to talk about one of the four Stoic virtues. I think we have sort of resisted getting into any formal um, Stoic uh, philosophical structure, but I think it's uh, a good time to talk about the fact that there are four Stoic virtues, uh, those being wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance. Temperance also sometimes you'll see it referred to as moderation. And today we're going to talk about the fourth one, the uh, moderation. And these were um, the four virtues that Stoke philosophers identified as um, important. And the goal is to live a virtuous life. If you if you followed these virtues, lived a virtuous life, it would be in agreement with nature, and it would lead to um, Happiness, and we can sort of maximize the overall happiness. And um, I know that Aristotle, while not a Stoic philosopher, he sort of predated them. He wrote a lot about this: is that a, a happy life is a virtuous life, and the Stoics uh, really borrowed a lot from him. And so the goal was to um, follow those four virtues. So this morning, I think, um, Kristen, you're going to read something that Seneca wrote about <coughs> moderation. Yes. I am. Okay. So this is from Letters from a Stoic uh, by Seneca. This is letter eight. Um, Cling, therefore, to this sound and wholesome plan of life. Indulge the body just as far as suffices for good health. It needs to be treated somewhat strictly to prevent it from being disobedient to the spirit. Your food should appease your hunger. Your drink quench your thirst. Your clothing keep out the cold. Your house be a protection against inclement weather. It makes no difference whether it is built of turf or of variegated marble imported from another country. What you have to understand is that thatch makes a person just as good a roof as gold does. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> so what he's saying there, and of course he's, I guess, speaking specifically about sort of physical creature comforts, but that more isn't necessarily better. Right. Um, and I think that um, if you think about... When you think about moderation, you think about it on a, on a spectrum. This is how Aristotle sort of, sort of set it up. You have complete deficiency on one end of the spectrum and complete excess on the other. And then what you're shooting for, what he called the golden mean, was that sweet spot somewhere in the middle that would maximize happiness in, in, in that area. And so shooting for that virtue. Um, <clears throat> I think that's something that, um, fair to say, lawyers have a good deal of trouble with. Yeah, in a, in a lot of ways. And part of it, I think, is a product of the you know, personality of a lot of people get into the practice of law. And I think a lot of it's just the nature, the competitive nature of, of it. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of times, uh, especially in private practice, the, uh, the financial aspect. More, better, you know, you get, uh, uh, your uh, reputation in the community and advertising. And then so it gets real competitive. And then um, it's easy for some things to kind of get out of whack and get out of control. Um, course, you know, Seneca's talking about, uh, you know, food and drink there, but we know how you feel when you drink too much. Um, 
And a lot of lawyers know how you feel when you drink too much as well. <laughs> That's right, a lot of lawyers. Know. That could be a whole. That, that, in fact, at some point, probably will be a whole other episode. We, we, yeah, we've but, hinted around at that, to- or not hinted. We've we've skirted the edge of that topic, I think, in a very early episode, and right. at some point, we'll probably do a, an extended one on, um, you know, some of the issues that attorneys have with substance abuse and, or even just, mm-hmm. um, maybe not even addiction, but abuse, abuse. of uh, misuse and abuse, mm-hmm. overuse, unhealthy behavior, uh, unhealthy uh, yes. coping. Uh, mechanisms yeah. with yeah. all the things that we deal with but so I think it's certainly applicable in that context but we'll kind of put a pin in that for a longer discussion Brian you and I this morning have just been also talking about um, I think the other way that it presents probably the most commonly in lawyers is an insecurity versus arrogance situation. yes right if you look at that that is those ends of the spectrum completely insecure to completely arrogant and you know we might have days where we our, our own uh, version of our moves around yeah. a little bit but um, obviously too insecure for, for an attorney is not good and too arrogant can be problematic and I think we've seen examples of that um, I, I would say too arrogant is the much more common issue among mm-hmm. attorneys mm-hmm. and can you do you recall any specific instances that really stand out to you is that being a, a specific problem with someone I mean I feel like if I really sat and thought about it I could probably come up with a few a week but um, <laughs> when we were talking this morning um, Brian and I were talking about a trial from, God, probably almost 10 years ago, long, to- long, long time ago. Um, but the lawyer during um, jury selection, you know, jury selection, um, the point of that is to get to know the jurors so that you can determine whether they have any biases or um, um, opinions and things that would impact the case. Um, unnecessarily, right? You won't. You want kind of a, a neutral person. Well, well, let's face it. You don't. You want people that are biased in your direction. But yeah. the purpose is to discover those biases, and then um, usually the ones that are on again extreme ends of spectrums get stricken by the by the opposite side, and then you end up hopefully with people who are are more towards the middle. But I say all of that to say you got to you've got to be asking them questions about themselves and getting to know them about them and, and getting to know them. And this particular lawyer who I would say is known for having somewhat of an arrogant demeanor and personality anyway, Mm -hmm. um, gets up and at the very beginning, one of the things lawyers typically do is they ask if anyone recognizes them or if they know them from any other context, right? To bring out any kind of personal bias. Correct. Like, for example, you might not know that your, your son is on the soccer team, uh, with one of the jurors, Kids, you know, if, if it's not somebody that you ever had personal contact with, but maybe they recognize your last name, and then you say, "Oh, well, my children go to X, Y, and Z school," and I have, and then they're like, "Oh, light bulb," you know. And so, so one of the things we usually ask is, "Does anyone know me? Like, you know, do, 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 does anybody have any personal experience with me?" And I think there are ways to do that, <laughs> um, while being very humble and conversational with jurors. And instead, this particular attorney on this occasion said, um, "Now." I might not know you all, but you might know me. Like, you might have seen me in the community. You might know my name from the community, mm-hmm. whereas I wouldn't recognize you. Mm-hmm. Is that how you recall it? Like, essentially? I, I, yeah, I think it was. Maybe even a little stronger is that I'm sure some of you know me because of my stature and position, <laughs> which, while possibly true, is probably not the best way to frame that. Um, but yeah, I think that's exactly right. It was a, you know, and it came off. Definitely, like I am more. Important I'm more important than, than you are. You are, um, and it. I, I think 
your agreement, it felt like genuine arrogance, not just a misstatement. No, no, no. I think he was serious. I think, I mean, I think he meant that. I think yeah. he was like, hey, you know, you all might know me. I don't know you, but does anybody know me and have any experience with me that they need to tell me about? It was just, it's not the way you want to ask it, mm -hmm. especially not when you're trying to build rapport um, with the jurors. And I just remembered another example. It's a little bit different because it wasn't. So another time a similar issue came up during jury selection was actually a trial that Brian and I um, had together uh, several years ago where the other attorney was questioning a physician who was on the panel and I think they were a cancer specialist and the other attorney gave them a lot of a lot of deference like almost kind of too much deference to the point that Brian was concerned that the other jurors were going to kind of be offended by the way the, the lawyer was was being basically saying, oh, well, if you're a doctor, then gosh, we wouldn't want to take your time. We wouldn't want to bother you. You know, and all these other people, their time is, is equally important and equally valuable. Mm -hmm. So what, what Brian did, and again, a moment ago he said he didn't remember where I was going with this. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to do a little this. editing, so I'm, I don't know if that's still going to be in I'm here. I'm curious to see what happens yeah, so, how the story ends. Yeah, so Brian, um, Brian got up and said something like, well, so, you know, your, your cancer specialist, as part of that involve uh, making, like, initial diagnoses? And he was like, yes. And so then you asked him if him being on the jury would delay patients finding out, even by a few days, the results of their testing and could impact the like begin the start time of their treatment. And he said, yes, it would. Mm -hmm. And so that was how Brian kind of cured this situation where the lawyer had had kind of put the doctor on a pedestal, likely to the offense of some of the other jurors who were thinking, well, our time is just as important as mm -hmm. his. Mm -hmm. But you tied it back to other people and like, mm -hmm. and the fact that it's not about his time. It's not that this guy is more important or his time is more valuable than yours. It's about how it could affect, you know, r real people and, and their medical diagnosis. And I just thought that was really, I think it's a similar situation where you really diffused, um, some over-the-top arrogance. Well, thanks. And I, even Do you remember I, it now? No, I have no recollection of that. Brian! But, but it sounds good. It makes I, it sound good. So I, I'll, take, I'll take credit I for promise it. it happened. I promise No, I believe happened. you. I believe you. We've, uh, we've. I didn't know you were going to do that. And when you sat back down, you, you said something, you whispered something to me like, I was worried the other jurors were going to be like offended by that. I'm like, yeah, they probably were. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't remember. I'll take credit for it. It sounds good. Uh, no, you're right. And I think, yeah, and it, it obviously comes up not just jury selection with attorneys, but just uh, negotiating. Everybody's had those um, instances. And I think the idea here is, is, is that we, as lawyers, as people, just keep it in check. think maybe we're confident. Maybe we know our, our, our area of law real well. Maybe we know our case real well. You know, but does that require arrogance or just confidence? somewhere in between the insecurity and the arrogance that, you know, a good, uh, healthy dose of confidence so as not to be off-putting to other parties, um, just not assuming you know everything. I mean, there's always a chance that we're wrong or we don't know as much as we think we know where that arrogance comes in. So I think that's a, that's a definite trap um, in this line of work. It is, and I think it can harm your position. You know, we've all been in those scenarios where, you know, the other attorney comes up to us in a very aggressive, arrogant, blustery way, telling us all the reasons that, you know, we're wrong and our case is, is not meritorious and, and how they're going to win and all of this. And, and I think if you can keep your cool and keep your moderation and you just sit and listen, 
you learn a lot that you might not otherwise learn so early in a case or in a conversation and um, let them spin and, and, and be arrogant and be on that kind of excessive end of the spectrum. And I think it, it ultimately harms their position and, and probably helps you. I think. Yeah, I'm happy when lawyers tell me how bad my case is. That's great. That's right. Tell me all the things I need to fix or yeah, that I need to work on. Great. Um, I, think it's an, I think it's an appropriate week uh, for us to uh, also um, compare it to the keep calm and carry on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, since uh, lost Queen Elizabeth II this week. So, um, I, I mean, I think, that, I think that sums up the... The issue with, with, I mean, there are plenty of other examples and ways yeah, that, and, that, that arrogance in lawyers can cause problems. But. And lots of categories of, um, you know, ambition, you know, the, you know, the spectrum between lazy and just insatiable, you know. Um, and we talked about the, the physical ones too, too much of anything. Um, so kind of aim for the middle, find that golden mean, and see if it doesn't help. See you next week. <laughs>